who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll see what they show up for and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name's Joe Scrabbles. I'm Joan. Jo- I'm joined by Dale Driver. Hello, Joan. I'm. I'm here. I'm, I don't know. I can't think of a way to lead this on. Keep no, this no, going. no. It's an absolute mess. And yeah. Matt Perslow. Hello. How are you both doing? All Good. right. Thank you. I'm shit because I've been running. <laughs> um, it just. I'm going to get this out of the way at the top because it's the most important bit. Uh, I am running 10k for special effect, and I'm. Putting IGN on it, <laughs> but to okay. selfishly garner more money. That's not selfish, is it? It's for charity. It's no, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so if you go to justgiving.com slash IGN UK, you will see my fundraising page. We are currently at 30% of my target already after two days, which I think is great. Uh, there's also a big picture of me showing you exactly how I feel while running. It's the worst. Um, so by paying, you are incentivizing me having a bad time, which I know a significant portion of podcast listeners will enjoy. Um, how, how are your morning runs, Joe? How far are you going? Uh, I did my longest of my recent training this morning. I did seven and a half K. Nice. Uh, it's real bad. It's real bad. <laughs> like, my legs feel fine now. The The problem I usually have is that my legs get really tired, but I'm starting to realize, like quite how short I fall of 10k in terms of stamina um, <laughs> like I get to five and I feel like five's fine generally for me most of the time but anything beyond five suddenly becomes this like horrific exercise into yeah. like torturing my own brain like if you walk if you fucking walk you're a piece of <laughs> shit and you're letting everyone down your mother will hate you and that's how I, I get over the line I think the biggest problem you got this time is like I've done the 10k as well before and it's when you're around all these other people that motivates me because I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be the guy mm. walking. Where, but when there's no one else around you, 
I guess well, it's very tempting. Yeah, so this, like, yeah, the, the, the ex- self-excoriating attacks on myself just have to be doubled. That's basically what I'm going <laughs> for. Um, but I would love for you to donate. If you don't know what Special Effect do, they are an unbelievable charity. They make video games accessible for people who would otherwise not be able to play them, um, primarily through eye-tracking software. If you've never played a game with your eyes, it's fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> genuinely, if you ever get a chance to go, when conventions exist again, Go to the special effects stand, which is always at like EGX or Resd or whatever, and play one of the eye tracking games. It's genuinely wicked. It feels like your actual. It's like better than Minority Report. It's fucking wicked. Um, and they also adjust controllers and stuff. Like, oh, it's great. Some of their videos are tear jerkers. Uh, oh, yeah. So go and have a look. Uh, Justgiving.com slash IGN UK. Thank you. That's the end of the plug. But I will do it every week. Uh, right. This week, we're going to start off. I, I accidentally kicked a hornet's nest last week by calling people who want a Snyder Cut maniacs. Uh, and in the interests of giving people a right to reply, um, because we got a lot of replies, we're going to read out a selection of uh, feedback about the Snyder Cut to see if it can mm. convince us that it is, for some reason, a good thing. Um, <laughs> Matt, were you on last week's podcast? I can't remember who was on what. I wasn't, no. no what are your feelings break. on Snyder Cut? Um... Don't like it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so it's probably I should put it out there that I am quite a big fan of Joss Whedon's work, and I think he's a, an ideal ensemble director. So I think he was the right person to bring in. Um, but there's no denying like that that film is is a collection of body parts, isn't it, from different like projects, and I don't like it. Could have been I don't know. Let's let's use Scorsese for lack of a better uh, icon. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have bought any good director in to save that, regardless. Mm. Um, but in general, I don't really like Zack Snyder's work. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's a very very good visual artist. I think his films quite often look very cool. Mm. Yeah. But um, aside from, I like Watchmen quite a bit. Yeah, I like Watchmen. But, but like other than that. I've, Man of Steel's got its elements, but I think like Batman versus Superman is just genuinely a travesty, yeah. and I think uh, I think Justice League is better than BVS, but not by much. <laughs> I think we I think we were kind of in somewhat in the emotional stage of responding to it last week. The more I think about it, the more <laughs> my problem with it is the uh, the knock on effect rather than the cut itself. Have sure, you yeah. already seen that? There's like I think. I think it might be a joke, but there's already a change.org to get the four, apparently a four-hour cut of Revenge of the Sith, which, as far uh, as I can tell, doesn't actually exist. Yeah. And then there's but, like the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, yeah. which is like that's Im- it is impossible that that film can be good. And I'm on yeah. record as saying it's fine after four pints, but it's not going to be good. <laughs> uh, and then I think we had an a, a article yesterday about whether there was a Kinberg cut of Apocalypse. The the X-Men one. Oh, God. You're just like... Oh. I don't think Kimberg's a good director. No, so. we don't need... We don't <laughs> need it. Like, sometimes movies are just bad and we can make better ones in future. Anyway. Mm, yeah. That's our ideas. But we've got Snyder Cut feedback. I'm going to read the first one. This is from Francis Jackson. I will preface this by saying that excited is the wrong word. I was never one clamouring for the Snyder Cut to be released, signing petitions and what have you. On the other hand, I am happy it's being made, and I would describe myself as cautiously optimistic. 
My issue with Justice League is that it's just a complete non-event. It isn't interesting, it clearly suffers from two vastly different directors with different tones and a style that feels like neither a Joss Whedon nor a Zack Snyder film. It doesn't really feel like a follow-up to the previous two films, and it is just so forgettable. I feel like if we get Snyder's cut, for better or worse, at the very least, it will feel consistent and will make for a more interesting film. I would almost prefer a terrible film than the one that I am completely indifferent to, as it makes it more interesting. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I obviously hope that it won't be terrible, and I'm cautiously optimistic that due to liking Man of Steel and to an extent Batman vs Superman, that's a good qualifier, that I will like the Snyder Cut. Do I think it will have issues? Absolutely. Do I think the supposed four hours length is a good thing? No chance. Though if it is done as a miniseries, that might work. Do I think Man of Steel should have got a sequel first, that the DC Universe and the Justice League should have been built from the ground up, things planned and not rushed? 110% yes. However, I am glad Snyder will at least get to complete his vision, and I'm curious to see how it pans out. I think that's a very interesting, qualified version of thoughts I don't have. But it's something (laughs) like... (sighs) Yeah. I think the thing about tonal consistency is bang on because the one thing I will say about Batman vs Superman is I think it's overly dour. I don't think it's right, for at least for my interpretation of those characters. But it is tonally consistent compared to... Especially sort of like Man of Steel is pretty tonally consistent and you can see that that completely goes away Mm. by Justice League. And so I think I think there's that to be said. Like it will be a more like it will feel as one whole. I still don't know if that whole is what I want to see. I guess that's somebody who's you know clamoring for these consistencies between a series that they care about. Whereas for me, I think well, I didn't care about those first two, so I'm not interested in completing the arc or anything like that. And the idea of having to like preferring the idea of watching a terrible film, I'd just rather not watch it again and just forget about it. Just let it be in the past, but. They've got the attachment that I haven't, I guess. I think, like, I mean, apart from my general problems with, like, a a vociferous audience being able to change art (laughs) after Mm -hmm. the fact, Mm -hmm. which I think is a bad precedent, and I will not be shifted on that, I think part of my problem is, like, I do like some of Zack Snyder's work, and I'd prefer that he was spending all this time making a new film. Like, I'd prefer that he wasn't working with what is at best compromised material because he can't Mm -hmm. do reshoots with the cast. So it's not like he's going to get new stuff that would be better. Mm. Like, I would prefer him to be using his time and talents to make something that could be better than Justice League rather than a better Justice League. It just feels like it's a shame. it feels like a step back for DC in general when they seem to have, like, you know, made step forward mm. in what their vision is of how they their universe works. And now it feels like, you know, with the progress that they've made, they're just taking a big step back and revisiting this. <laughs> I'm sort of... One of my other questions is, I actually want to know how much Snyder actually wants this. Like, I'm sure he obviously wants it from a certain amount because he's doing it, but it does feel like it's come on the back of a fan sort of movement. And let's bench this in. One of my favourite films of all time is Blade Runner. And Blade Runner has had at least three different cuts, maybe four. Mm. And I genuinely think that the final cut, like released in, what was that, 2007? I think Mm. that is the best version of that film. But when you look at what Ridley Scott did with that, it was because he was obsessed with finding his, his version of perfection for that film. And all of the efforts that went into that were using... Like, by the time there were certain scenes in that film that he just didn't like, 
And so eventually he got like Harrison Ford's son to re-record elements of Deckard. And then he'd redub and use CGI to make those scenes work. In the end, I think what he's got is a pretty perfect movie. But that's because that's an artist in pursuit of perfection, right? Is is Snyder an artist in pursuit of perse- of perfection, or is this because he's doing it because Warner Brothers have realised that they can probably make a, a fat dime out of this? Mm. I think that's definitely that's definitely it, isn't it? Really? Well, it's just money driven, unfortunately, and you know. Great art is always driven by money, isn't it? It always works out. Yeah. And like you said, Joe, like I think probably my favourite Snyder film is Watchmen. Just like that comic is incredible, and I think he does a great job of visually bringing that to life. Mm. But I think there's, I'd like to see Snyder do something that's his. Like, so I think Sucker Punch is a bad film. <laughs> like, it's a bad narrative experience. God, it's a brilliant like pop music video. Mm. And so I'd love to see, like, like, I mean, this is very much typically me, but he's got a section which is a bunch of World War One cyborgs and there's a mech that turns up. I, I'd like to see him actually do a film that was good with that visual, like, feeling to it. Mm. I don't know. It's interesting. All right, shall we move on to, uh, who's this? Mr. Hmm. Gunty. <laughs> <laughs> Does someone want to uh, read this or shall I? Yeah. I can read this. Go for it. Uh, Mr. Gunty. Right. There are many tales of movie studios or execs changing, modifying, or editing movies to fit a particular need, whether it, whether it be to meet classification restrictions, receive bonuses, or whatever. Like movies as a medium, and I like movies as a medium and enjoy watching the movies as a pastime. The thought of a movie being modified by persons that are not directly correct in creating the movie to achieve a goal other than making the best version of the movie really gets my goat. I've really enjoyed some of Zack Snyder's movies, Man of Steel being one. I wanted to see more of that. Though I enjoyed the floor BVS, specifically the Ultimate Edition, I was disappointed by the Justice League movie. I very much wanted to see the intended vision, regardless of how it actually turned out. That being said, I will be disappointed if the Snyder Cut amounts to little more than the addition of a few deleted scenes. I want the whole thing, as hinted in storyboards and interviews and such. I want it all, baby. (laughs) Give it to me. Give it to Mr. Um, Gunty. <laughs> on a related note, I hadn't heard about the attacks from supposed fans on fans of the film. While I haven't noticed, I'm completely unsurprised. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook, so probably somewhat shielded from the shit fuckery. <laughs> Correct. What I've observed in these instances where critics have stated, what the fuck do we want this for? And forums where individuals make positive comments about the DC movie are met with largely amounts of negativity, which is again unsurprising. I'm not sure how much the 20 million takes away from the other potential projects being made, but my only hope is that there are any positives from this nonsense. Aside from the better version of this particular movie, it's that the studios and execs might leave movies to be made the way they are envisioned, even the wonky ones. While I say that, I recognise it's more likely that an entitled arsehole will be emboldened. (laughs) Lots of love, Mr. (laughs) Goody. Like, again, a very well-reasoned approach to this. I think... I think part of what Mr. Gunty, with respect, misses (laughs) is that this isn't just a situation in which a movie was modified by people not directly creating it. Like, there were extenuating Mm. circumstances that led to Zack Snyder leaving that movie. Like, it's this isn't purely a studio going, "We're, we're taking over Final Cut, this is our choice. Um... I do think Whedon was a weird choice to replace Zack Snyder. Uh, 
like that's a very different version of director particularly with regard to this kind of film um, is it is it weird when you consider though what what they wanted justice league to be they wanted it to be the avengers so you get the guy that directed the avengers yeah. who has a history in ensemble casts mm. yeah oh no i totally get it from yeah. that mm-hmm. perspective but if you give it to joss whedon after Zack snyder has already provided this much stuff that is yeah, clearly sure. not whedon-esque um mm-hmm. i think you're then you're kind of you're asking for a totally inconsistent movie. So that yeah. I understand as a studio like issue. I totally get um the perception that we we are definitely a part of um of critics saying what the fuck do we want this for? Uh and people making positive comments being met with negativity. And I will say like I have thought about how I talked about it last week and I was probably a bit unfair. Um <laughs> I think the problem is that we get into a situation where we start conflating everything that happens into two sides. So, like, there's people who don't want Zack the Snyder Cut and there's people who do. And so what we're saying is, like, the people who do are all on the side of the dickheads who are going after people. We're actually... There's obviously a spectrum of people. There are people like Mr. Gunty the legend, who just wants to see a version of a movie as it was intended. And I think that's totally fair. And, like, that is partly why I read out that partly in jest last week, but there was that tweet where it was like, I'm really glad that an artist is getting to make the movie they wanted to. It will be shit. Um, And that's basically how I feel. But I totally get the idea of wanting to see what should have been there. Um, I just don't like the way it's happened. I don't... I, I just think it's dangerous that we've got to a place where we are now able to, like... Force a hand. Force a hand into something that could end up... Like, again, Zack Snyder could be making something else. I don't know. I think we we possibly lose more than we gain. Yeah. Is an issue. I agree completely. But the other thing is, is I don't necessarily think we've got any precedent to... Which I think everybody recognises that we don't realise... We don't know if the Zack Snyder version will be any better, but it's probably worth pointing out that good films uh certainly within this category of filmmaking aren't very often the director's final vision mm-hmm. like um if you take a look uh into sort of like the history of how the marvel films are made they're quite good at putting their directors front and center but actually it's it's figgy and it's the marvel board of like creative directors that get final say on how these films yeah. turn out there's a lot of um, talk that you can read about, sort of like interviews with Joss Whedon about how much was compromised with Age of Ultron, mm. um, because it was all those films have to fit into the wider universe; they can't be their own stories. Um, so famously, you know, the section in Age of Ultron where Thor has to go down into the cave, and you end up with a five-minute section about Ragnarok that won't ever get addressed for like six films' time or something like that. Yeah, that was something that. Whedon basically had to compromise on, I think, for him to keep the section where it's just Cap um, and Iron Man talking at the farm. Mm. So he wanted his character-based stuff, and they didn't necessarily want that. And his compromise was, well, I'll keep the the stuff for, for later on if yeah. I can keep this. So, you know, and that's why, you know, Edgar Wright left on Ant-Man because... And and what we had um, Lord and Miller. Oh, that was a Star Wars film, that was right? Star- but, that was Solo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of these films at this tentpole sort of stage don't really get to be the artist's full intention. Mm, yeah. So that is actually why this is kind of interesting because 
presumably the way they're doing it and the fact that Zack Snyder's name is five times larger than the words Justice League in the in the title treatment <laughs> suggests that this actually is his version mm-hmm. which would be quite rare for a superhero film so that's sort of exciting in its own way yeah Imagine if this is massively successful as well. Like, what sort of cut launch would that give Zack Snyder going well, forward? Well, I think there's well? something really interesting in about in how it's being released on HBO Max because ultimately, uh, if if Netflix is anything to go by, it will be an invisible success. Like hmm. we, so on IGM, we don't report on the whole. We certainly don't now report on stories of Netflix saying how successful its shows are because they don't release data. They just say how many people watched it and they don't say how long they watched it for. They don't like there is no public facing element where we can actually analyze what they say. And so I think releasing on HBO Max in a sort of businessy sense is very useful because you can say 300 million people watch this or however many people get HBO Max in the end. Uh, And it won't say how many people turned off after five minutes, how many people turned off after half an hour, that kind of thing. So I think. I think it will ultimately, and like it is going to drive people to go and see it. Like as I said last week, I'm going to watch it because it's yeah, an interesting point in pop culture history. Um, mm. Not necessarily a good one, um, but <laughs> like it will be a success, and I think yeah. Zack Snyder will come out of it well. Um, it, it's just like it's. I think you. I think that's a really interesting point, Matt. That like this might be one of the only times where we see a truly uncompromised version of a superhero movie. But what that actually results in is quite interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shall we uh, read this next one from Thomas Hyde? Let's do it. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas, you wrote quite a lot, but you very handily put a summary at the end. So, in the interests of time, yeah, I feel like your entire mm-hmm. argument gets quite nicely encompassed here. So. With Justice League, we got the Anchorman 1.5 or that Deadpool Christmas thing where they made a piece of shit Frankenstein film out of leftover footage. The Snyder Cut isn't advertised as a re-edit. It's been advertised by the man himself as a completely different film. Which, yeah, pretty much. Um, It was never supposed to be released due to needing 20 or 30 million to finish effects, which is now what they've got. It doesn't cost this much to re-edit a film, so sheer mm. curiosity. Yes, Dale, I'll, I'll let you. I don't know anything about the costing of it. I edit, mean, so. but I, I would hazard a guess that Thomas doesn't either, you know? <laughs> um, like, CGI is an expensive game. The, like, it depends how much they've got to do. The HBO Max boss actually came out last week and said, or this week, in fact, and said, um, that 30 million, I wish it cost 30 million. It's going to cost way more. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I guess uh, with advertising stuff on that, but I, I guess I guess Thomas means that it doesn't cost twenty million just to re-edit existing footage. Mm. He's suggesting that 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 covers finishing the effects and stuff like yeah. that, right? Mm. Um, because obviously we now know that Dark Seeds in the film, which um, you know introduces a whole element there, or it's Dark Seed or Dark Side. I've always said Dark Side, be- but who? Yeah, because they spell I it think wrong. It's, yeah, I will point out that for my entire comic book reading career until the firms came out, it was Thanos to me rather than Thanos, but I recognise that I got that wrong. Look, when you've only read a word, what can you do? Hermione. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said Hermione for was, years. Yeah, I think I actually think I said Hermione. <laughs> oh, it's very exotic. Until, <laughs> until the literal character had to spell it phonetically in her. Anyway, um, it doesn't cost this much to re-edit a film, so sheer, sheer curiosity 
what they can do with this much money, even if it's a train wreck. I would at least like to see the original Anchorman or Deadpool version of Justice League that may still be shit, but at least will be consistent with Snyder's other DC films. Even cutting out the horrendous one-liner attempts, brunch, really, Joss? Uh, and Cavill's CGI stash cover-up would at least add half a star onto everyone's review, mm. even if it just means it's now a one-star. <laughs> uh, besides, if you don't like the Snyder Cut, you'll always have the theatrical version. True. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I realise now I sound a bit mental. I don't necessarily no, think I don't you think sound so. mental. Yeah. Uh, but didn't sign any petitions or tweet at anyone. I will say uh, I've been emboldened and delighted with how well-reasoned and interesting and non-aggressive the responses to this have been from mm-hmm. people who do like the Snyder Cut, even though I was quite rude. Um, mm-hmm. So so we've got a part better of the class thing, of listener. Part of the things I don't get there, so I don't really know anything about Anchorman 1.5, so are you able to... Well, Anchorman's a weird one. I, like, I, t- to be honest, I think it's a slightly it's a it's a very different situation anchorman started mm-hmm. as a film about uh the original draft of anchorman if you want to know was about uh a bunch of news anchormen in a plane crash having to fight off uh evil monkeys that's true um okay. and that's that was the inspiration for um the news team fights in the in the right. final film but everything else was improvised out of that film and so what they did after anchorman they did so much improv and so much making up new plot points that what they did is after anchorman came out they made a second anchorman film just out of unused footage and it's rubbish right. because it doesn't make any sense and <laughs> but it it kind of doesn't need to it was never properly released um so yes uh anchorman 1.5 is a piece of shit made out of Frankenstein film leftover footage. Um, and I get that comparison with Justice League. But to say that you want to see the original Anchorman version of Justice League doesn't quite make sense because Anchorman wasn't created in the same way. But I get the initial point is essentially yeah. it. I've never watched the Deadpool Christmas thing. I bet it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no That's the one where they, to- they took all the swearing and violence out, right? Wasn't Was that the deal with that Oh, one? I thought they... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Who have we got next? Uh, We've got so many. Yeah, okay. should, we just, should we just... I like... Should we read JM's one and then end it on there? Let's, 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 read, uh, let's read JM. Okay, I'll be Jim. So JM starts with Hello Bots. So that's a good start. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you're wondering why any of us would want a Snyder Cut. You have to understand a lot of us grew up with the Justice League, the animated series, and love these characters and feel like Whedon intentionally ruined the movie. All you have to do... <laughs> All you have to do to Point that one. movie is take out. Sorry. All you have to do to that movie is take out the intro Weedon Gate mustache scene, take out the Batman jokes, and show Darkseed. That will immediately elevate the movie, and also take out Weedon jokes that ruined the tone. When you really consider it, the original cut is the original cut really worse than Iron Man Three. You've let yourself whoa, down, whoa, JM. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's two. <laughs> you've got. See, this is the thing, JM. You start two paragraphs with legit points. Right? So, <laughs> growing up with the characters, totally understand why you would want a version of that represented in a live-action film. Very fair. Also, I agree that there are things that can be taken out that will immediate, immediately elevate the movie. But, you say, we didn't intentionally ruin the movie. That is <laughs> mad to me. <laughs> he's, a, yeah. he's a working director. 
and his name's on it. It's not like he went in the editing room without telling anyone and wrote like Snyder sucks across the film stock. Um, insane. And to think that Iron Man three is bad is an immediate marker that I can't trust your opinions because no. Iron Man three is wicked and people. So I want to just for a little bit of defense for Iron Man 3 here. So the first time I saw Iron Man 3, I went to see it on opening day. I took the day off work, went to see it. And I did not like it the very first time I saw it. I think because I went in, I'm a long-term comic reader, so I went in expecting the Mandarin, right? And I didn't get the Mandarin. Go back and watch it a second time knowing that's not the thing. And it improves a hundredfold. Yeah. Like when you take it for the film that it actually is rather than the film that you go in believing it's going to be. Um, and it's it's one of those where it's 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 everything that people like about Marvel movies, like mm. it's it's got all that great comedy and all the, that you know all the 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 way that it deals with really heavy emotional wrought feelings alongside really damn good jokes. Yeah. It's all there in Iron Man also, three. It's just some really good action scenes in that one. The bit where Iron Man's uh, just got Iron Man. The bit where Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Tony Stark <laughs> has just one glove. And he's using yes, that he's to, to have the fight. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. There's some really good jokes in it as well. I watched it recently and I forgot how funny that that film is as well. And I, like somebody who had no like affiliation or no, I didn't even know who the Mandarin was going into that film. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it. I never had a problem with it, and I didn't quite understand it. But you make a valid point, Matt. Like you know, you go in it with expectations of one thing, and it's actually something else. So maybe that's where the disappointment came from. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will have struck it off their list and just like, I'll never watch that again. Yeah. But honestly, like going back and I've watched it about four times now and I think it's a cracker. I, really I think do. it's up there. I think it's one of the best. Um, you know what? Let's not end on a, on a downer. I'm going to read Riley Brewer's one because I think this is a okay, good cool. this is a good uh, summation of what I think the general tone of our responses have been. Um, so, hi guys, I just want to say my piece regarding the Snyder Cut situation. Personally, I think part of the issue is the original theatrical release of the movie is such a Frankenstein of two movies. We have Snyder's original film, but when he had to go off the movie due to the family tragedy, we get Joss Whedon, who deserves no hate or malice, brought in to reshoot the movie per WB's orders. WB didn't decide to push the movie because how they... how because how could they indefinitely delay their already troubled Justice League movie and utilise this moment to add the pieces they thought was needed in the blockbuster through Whedon? I think what I want out of this is what the original director envisioned for his movie. Whether it's good or bad, and it's probably going to be bad, the artist deserves to have his piece put out the way he intended. I think that's what the majority of fans want, and there's a minority who is toxic to anyone who shows no interest in this film. Funnily enough, WB has had a similar situation with the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Just my thoughts. I think, like... That to me sums up the a a very reasonable response to our feelings on this. And like mm. I will say, seeing all this come in initially, I was quite worried that there was going to be loads of angry people at me. But the the response has been really interesting, and I've really enjoyed reading it. And everyone who's we didn't read out, we have read them all. Um, yeah, and we do really appreciate you, like in you know coming back to us with your reasonable reasons to come on so yeah um i don't know how much more we'll talk about the snyder cut um i do like actually i will say i do like that the man who played dark side who just got chopped out of the movie and it's like he's like one of the most important supervillains in comic book history and he's not in the (laughs) film you know that's that must be horrible for him so i'm glad he's getting his deal 
It's also like, especially after BVS sets it yeah. all up, you get the, the, the nightmare sequence with Batman and you see the big Omega symbol mm. and all like the heralds of Darkseid turn up and it's the big promise. It's like in, in previous Marvel movies when they've been promising Thanos coming. And you're like, yes, the final team up, it's going to be against one of the biggest villains in DC history. Mm. And we've got fucking Steppenwolf. <laughs> Stephen Wolf. Stephen um, Wolf. I don't, like, I I will say, I don't think I've been convinced that this is a truly good situation, but I am definitely more on board with the idea, having read mm. the feedback, and I thank everyone for their interesting contributions. Yeah. And that's why I we put it say, so prominently in the podcast. I want to say that I'm still not on board with the idea, but I am happy that everybody is happy. Yes. That they, they feel like they're getting what they want, and that makes me happy that you get to enjoy it. Uh, also, we should say, we're not going to cover all the new drowning stories, but we no, might no. do the same thing with this next week. Could do, yeah, <laughs> Just for do drowning. <laughs> <laughs> so keep them coming in. Right, should we do some normal type podcasting? Yes, please. Uh, Matt, Hello. you have played Outriders, the interesting new people can fly looter shooter. Um, yeah. You've got an excellent preview out there. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, um, because you think about combat in a way that's more than just a like gun. Um, and you explain <laughs> really well about how that works, but yeah. I would love you to talk about it now because I think a lot of people have seen Outriders, but maybe fewer understand what they're actually going for with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an odd one. And I must say, like I'll clarify here, even I still am not completely sure about what Outriders is because they've shown so little of it mm. and it seems like they're doing broadcasts now it seems like one a month maybe the first one happened yesterday which i think is going to gradually explain what this game is but it's a looter shooter but it's not being designed as a destiny or a division it's not one of these where you have to log in every day and play an awful lot of repetitive sort of smaller quests to unlock guns or anything like that that's at least as far as they're telling me that is not their intention it's a campaign a bit like a imagine if gears of war and diablo had a baby mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing we've got it's a linear well i'm not necessarily going to say it's a linear campaign but it's because it uses hub worlds apparently and you play through that as one of i think there are going to be possibly it's there's more than three classes i think because we know of three and i think there's more to mm-hmm. come um, and you can play through that in co-op or on your own. And basically, the quest that I played didn't really offer any suggestion of what it might be more than shooting a lot of people. But what I will tell you is, is that the shooting felt pretty damn good, mostly because I didn't shoot a lot of people with guns. I shot them <laughs> with superpowers, mm, yeah. and that's what made it feel so good. So when I was talking to the guys from People Can Fly, one of their core philosophies around the combat was... In a lot of these sort of games, like Borderlands, like Destiny, your superpowers are... You have a button that you wait to charge up, and once like it's charged up over three minutes or so, you press it, everyone on screen dies, and then you wait again, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how Destiny's Ultimates work. They were like, we want powers to at least be 50% of what you're doing. So all the cooldowns are really short. And then you combine that with the abilities are basically like if... If a Marvel movie or a DC movie was actually made like a, a grindhouse director. So, for example, the trickster has a, a big temporal blade that he sort of like you can slash out over about five different opponents. 
and it will strip the muscle from their skeletons and then cause their skeletons to explode. Yes. And they'll also be slowed down while that's happening. <laughs> um, so that that's the trickster. So the trickster is all about slowing enemies down and killing them in close combat. Whereas another class that I really got on with is a class called the Devastator, which is sort of like a medium-range tank, mm. but he can call stalagmites to like blast up through the ground and impale people on them. And there are like lots of different animations for that impaling. And my favourite one is it will come up through someone's chin. Which, when you described slowly... it, I was just like, yeah. it's the end of Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I it's want the way that some the... ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> And like when they're stuck on that stalagmite, they sort of wave their arms as they oh slowly God. die and gradually sink down the stalagmite. Yeah. Oh really? So it's yeah, it's yeah. Slide down it's, it. Oh, that's grim. Yeah, it's it's super grim, and I love like, it's it's so. It's say it's so grindhousey. The one of the skills that you can get is as the pyromancer, who's like a a long range flame attack guy. He can slam his fists into the ground, and it creates a, a wave of fire that travels forward but it'll go through cover so if you can find two people that are like bunkering down behind cover you're like ah oh, there's nothing that you can do now and you just sear them and you can hear them screaming behind it you can use a whip of flame and pull people in and turn them into ash nice. oh so that's proper it's, that's it's proper bullet bonkers. storm as well like yeah yeah is there any like value to using a gun then if the cooldowns are so short on these abilities so basically the the way that they it's very much one of They've got the philosophy of we want you to build a character that suits you. Hmm. So if you're really into guns, they explained you put all of your ability points into weapon stats and you choose because you I can't remember how many skills that you'll earn over the game, but you can use three at a time and you choose abilities that maybe weren't to do with killing people. You choose something that was a bit more supportive. So, for example, the trickster can use one where he like sends out a crystal that will hop from enemy to enemy and it slows those enemies which then allows you to line up some really cool headshots mm. or the devastator can do one where you know in district nine the mech that can collect all the bullets mm. and oh, then yeah. he can fire them back the the devastator can do that That's it's cool. almost like he's neo stops yeah. the bullets in midair and throws them back um so you can use all of these supporting skills whereas if you decided that see i don't at the moment i've not been super impressed by the guns they don't feel super punchy and the ones they offered in the demo were just a bit like rusty assault rifle or slightly less rusty assault rifle. <laughs> and I'd rather play with something a lot more brutal Which than that. Which you wouldn't expect well, from the Bulletstorm people. Like, that... No. That game... And the thing is... The, the weaponry stuff is so exciting in it that I was kind of into Outriders just on the promise of more of that. Mm-hmm. The the videos that they showed yesterday included people wearing really cool armor and guns that have got skulls all over them. I was like, why didn't I get to play with that? I guess it's because they want to gradually introduce things over. But I feel I would have liked to have been able to say I got all these cool powers and the guns were cool mm. as well. But the other thing is, is I do have to uh, point out because of the times that we're in, I had to play this effectively over an equivalent of Stadia. So a tiny little bit of lag and maybe in that translation over mm. streaming. Yeah. Perhaps I didn't feel all of the the gun feel that the game That's has to really offer. Um, so yeah, maybe there's that. But yeah, for me, I would be 
building a uh, a character that would go much more on the powers. Yeah, definitely. And so I asked the developers, it was like, you say that you start out at 50-50 and you can push it either way you want. Well, let's say I wanted to go 80-20 to powers. Can I do that? And and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, of course. I was like, well, how about 90-10? And his response was, well, I think you can go even more than that because basically you can find items in the world that augment all of the things that you're doing. And if you can find the items that remove the cooldowns, effectively you can just be spamming them there we go and that's so, what i want yeah so i like the idea of just being able to there was a little bit of a rift because i was chatting to the creative director and the lead designer and they had slightly different opinions on how far you could push that mm. the the creative director is very much like no you can you can resign from shooting you don't have to whereas the lead designer was a bit like i think you could do it mostly without <laughs> shooting okay um, so I think he wants to be a little bit more resigned. And also they made a really good point of it's it uses what's called the world tier system, where basically if you can play for a long time without dying, it jacks up the difficulty. And so as those tiers, and it goes from tier one, which is considered story, into tier two, which is easy, into normal, into hard. But it goes up to level 15. Oh. So what I want to know is like what what sort of build you need to make to survive at level 15 because mm. surely that's where it all comes in i think doing a completely no guns run probably okay at the lower ones but when you get to tier 15 surely you have to be using everything that that game yeah, offers sure and the other thing is is you you don't find healing packs in the world to heal you have to kill and each class has a different way that it it heals itself so the trickster you have to do close combat kills to gain your health back. Okay. And I found there were so many enemies on the hard level that I just kept dying before I could get the kills mm-hmm. required. Whereas if I played as the pyromancer who can use distance to gain his health back, I found that like being able to see where everybody was coming at me from meant that I could manage those hordes a lot easier. Mm. And therefore I found it easier as him. So I think distance for me, but if you're really good at close combat, I guess... The trickster's probably something for you. The, the combat bit, bit reminds me a little bit of Doom Eternal then as well. The idea of mm. having to use a bit of everything to survive, to constantly keep the chain going. And that might, yeah. might be where the, the gun combat comes in. If you do want to just be power focused, you just need the gun just in between those moments to sort of fill yeah. the gaps. Yeah, absolutely. I think I hadn't really thought of Doom, but actually I think you've made a really good point. It's, it's obviously a very different way of doing it, mm. but it does have a... I don't think it's combat loop feeds in quite the same way as Doom because Doom is shields, ammo, and health. Yeah. Whereas this is just health. But there's definitely a, a loop and you're a parasite to your enemies as much as your enemies are a parasite to you, right? Yeah. That's good. Um, I like it. Yeah, there's... I still need to see a lot more of this game to think that that violence is worth going through. Like, I love, I love how it felt. I loved making people splatter up the walls and... <laughs> disintegrate and all of that mad mm. stuff because i've just not i've not played a looter shooter that made me feel like you, you know the fantasies of superman gone bad mm. like it was a bit like that i really enjoyed well, it sounds that, like but... you're describing like psyops you know like <laughs> yeah like those yeah. old sort of almost b games where it was just like just run through it and make things burst <laughs> like who gives a <laughs> yeah. shit yeah. <laughs> and so what i want to know is 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 the mission design worth like is it a good vehicle for that yeah because what i played was just i i I followed a line that went through five different enemy camps i think it Mm. was and there was a mini boss and then there was a boss at the end and then i got a cutscene. and the only other thing that i could really do was there was a point where the 
the road forks, like distinctly forks. It's like, if you go to the right, that's the side quest. And it's basically a horde mode in a mm-hmm. bunker. And you'll get some cool loot for it. I say cool loot. I didn't think the loot was cool. I knew, I'll clearly need to be at a higher level in the game for, for cool stuff to drop. Or you just followed it. And the only thing that interrupted you was you have to kill everybody here and one of them will drop a key to get you through mm. a door. Mm. And that was really the only variety that was getting. I think a game that's based around, because clearly what they want you to do is, because they cite Diablo as as part of what they're working with. And Diablo is a game that you just play the campaign through repeatedly doing higher difficulties and re-challenging yourself to say, okay, the build that I built on on normal doesn't work anymore so i'm going to reconfigure everything that i do change every gun that i use change every bit of armor so i get different modifications and can play the game in a different way to meet that level of challenge i think i need something that's more than just following an objective marker to make that challenge feel like something that i want to go with right so yeah still need to see a lot more of it but i can say that the combat was wicked i'm i'm interested (laughs) in it it definitely like it sounds like the kind of thing at the very least, where I could run through it once with some mates and have mm-hmm. a perfectly good time with, and not, and almost the pressure of it not being a game of, you know, it's a looter shooter without the pressure of like, come back every day. Yeah. Um, mm. Like, that kind of appeals to me in a one and done, you know, Definitely. way. Yeah. Just like, just play a cool co op shooter once. That's what we used to do. I mean, still into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to a different game i can't think of a segue i'm not good enough at it uh man eater me and dale have both played some man eater yeah uh, how much have you played joe i've played maybe two hours and okay maybe it for me um Ooh. not good it's not that it's not good i think it looks nice and i really like so i've been following man eater since it was the the tease on the pc gaming show like two or three years ago um at e3 and like Every show I went to where it was available to go and look at, I would go and look at it because I love the idea of, like, a silly open-world game that knows that it's dumb and, like, what I kind of expected was a game that indulged in how stupid that was. And (laughs) what it is is a game with a really good setup. Like, I love the idea. This is a game about playing a shark being followed by a reality TV show crew that is talk constantly narrating on what the shark is doing and there is a story told in a reality TV style. And, like, that's wicked to me. Like, it's Shark Week RPG game. And, like, cool, really into that. But what I was expecting on top of that was, like, we got... I got shown at E3 last year in a hands-off, like, oh, you're going to get, like, electrified armour and, like, weird mutations and, like, bone... Uh, like a bone skeleton out exoskeleton type upgrade yeah. and like all this dumb shit um, and I was like okay right cool so this is going to go fully bizarre and like really mess around like almost how you're describing Outriders like this idea of mm-hmm. I will be able to go through this game and do mad shit as a shark but what it amounts to is just buy-in like pressing yeah. <laughs> R2 almost constantly and nothing mm-hmm. else and, holding L2, pressing R2, yeah. that's pretty much the loop. And I don't get how they've got there. I don't know how in playtesting no one's like, yes, we've got a cool setup, but the game that you are playing is at best quite painful to your index finger. <laughs> like, it's weird. 
so that's that's definitely not so i've i'm developing rsi in my index (laughs) finger definitely so it's not a game for me Mm. (laughs) i don't know why they couldn't have just come up with like different forms of attack as well like just have you know a like a, a sharp strike or a big lunge and stuff, just create a few like a few variations, mm. even if it's like the the equivalent of like high kick, low kick sort of thing. Yeah. Or something. Can you not can you not put a laser beam on its head? Surely that's what shark games all about. I mean, potentially it, later on, I haven't got <laughs> haven't got that. Far. Like the closest to truly like inventive thinking around the combat in the game is you can do this tail whip, which like mm. batters things away. But what you can do is like grab something in your mouth, hold it jump out of the water and then tail whip it into something so you can like smash people into like obstacles and like bounce them off stuff yeah. and you know like, that's a fun idea but it's it's one idea and it, mm. it it never seems to and i am you know i'm saying this without having finished the game but i'm not reviewing it so whatevs but like my experience of those early hours is like oh my god this is going to be all there is and our review says as much. I think Dan likes it more than I do. Um, Dan Stapleton, who reviewed it, he gave it a 7 out of 10. He really likes a lot about it, but he describes the combat as shallow as a puddle, and he says specifically, <laughs> shallow combat and simplistic upgrades can sustain, can't sustain that excitement for the roughly 15 hours that it takes to finish. Yeah. And, like, I can't do 15 hours of it. Like, I just can't bring <laughs> myself to do it. I mean, for me, uh, there's a lot that I like about it, and mainly that it's you know it's it's a tick sheet, right? It's a spreadsheet. Mm. The game sort of there's so many so so focused on collectibles and ticking off missions and stuff that that's kind of appeals to me. Uh, the problem I had last night was I played about four hours and I was getting a bit sick of the combat. I wasn't sure how if I was going to continue much more, and then the game crashed anyway. And then I tried to boot it back up, and then it just corrupted my save, so I've lost everything. So now oh. that's sort of made the decision for me that, well, yeah, that's me done with that game at this point. Yeah. And I also Googled that as well. And apparently a lot of people are suffering with the same issue Ooh. as well, not just on PS4, but on Xbox as well. That's, that's happened never quite a lot. good. No. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Like, it's that horrible thing. I think that's probably, you know, it's increasingly common as we kind of are able to follow games more. But like, I've been excited for this game for years and it's just not, what I hoped it would be at the end of it, and like that's partly my fault for having those false hopes. But like, yeah. it's just not. It's just not exactly what I wanted, <laughs> yeah. and that's sad. I just yeah, it, I think it just needs a bit more, like moment Maybe to moment thought. Two, Joe. I like. I'd be well up for a man eater two. I'd be really yeah. into it. Like, what I really like is it plays into. It's like old like shareware games I played on Mac and stuff back in the day, where it was like be a fish eat enough fish to become a bigger fish and like like that really simple structure of like increasing power and i really like that leveling up in this game is physically represented as your shark getting bigger and uglier all the way through and like that's Mm. a fun idea and there's so much fun they're having with it it's just it's not fun enough to play to get to that stuff and i think that's a real shame Uh, i also wanted to talk really briefly about sludge life have either of you seen Sludge Life? It is. I've, no. seen, I've seen a trailer for it's it. It's the new Devolver game. came out for uh, PC yesterday and is coming to Switch, I believe. I'm not sure when. Um, but it mm. is free on Epic Game Store for a year. <laughs> so some what? sort of deals happened. Um, I've, I've played like half an hour of this so far, but it is the most Devolver game you can imagine. It's a, <laughs> it's a mini open world where you play a guy that just goes around and graffiti stuff, smokes cigarettes and takes pictures of things. 
I think there's a story, but I may not have even found it yet. <laughs> um, but it's presented in that, like, when you start it up, it's presented as, um, like, you're logging into a computer and then you've got a computer desktop. And one of those things is play, but the rest, you like filling out, even early on, I've started filling out that screen with new things. So it's like I picked up some cigarettes and it added like a little, um, like almost like a clippy type guy to my desktop. But he just smokes oh, cigarettes nice. that I found. <laughs> okay. um, and uh, I got a camera and that adds like essentially a screenshot function, but it saves all the screenshots are shown on the desktop. And it's got like this neat little sort of visual aspect. But the game itself is like this woozy, weird little grim world like full of sludge and people on strike and just like general disaffection it feels very 2020 um is a di- <laughs> is doing the graffiti actually fun no the graf- so the graffiti is event? basic like it's almost like um uh crackdown orbs it's like you can see okay. that you can get somewhere to get graffiti but it's really unclear how you get there and like right. clearly the pleasure of it is working out routes around the city and like i think there's going to be game. upgrades that let you get to more places and i'm into that that format um, right. there's lots of really nice little visual touches or like little touches really early on like when you first get the camera you take it, you take a picture and then you're like okay I'm going to put it away and instead of putting away your camera you just fucking chucks it on the floor and you've just got like infinite cameras so you could just be chucking cameras all over the place every time you open the pause menu to see your little desktop when you come out of it, it gets a laptop chucks it on the floor just like getting rid of all this shit which is really fun I'm just looking at it in the Epic Store. This is not the game that I imagined it Why? would be. I got this idea of like a pixel art. Oh, no, no. It's like a full it's... 3D open world game, like with a weird cartoony art style. It's very yeah. Adult Swim. Um, and like one thing I really like, there appears to be no background music in the game. All the music is diegetic. So you'll just walk around a corner and hear music coming in and you're not sure where it's from. And then you'll find like a radio and stuff. There was one bit where I saw something in the distance and it's just the sea is kind of just like thigh level or not like knee level sludge so i was like i'm just gonna go over there and have a look at that and as i get close to it music starts kicking in i was like oh so there is background music in this game it's like no in the middle of fucking nowhere in the sea there's just like a little radio stuck in the sludge i was like this is such a lovely little idea just like the whole world soundtracked diegetically like that's cool god knows what it is and I'm sure people have played more than me already because it came out yesterday. But I really like it. Like, it's a strange little thing. And for free, super into it. Yeah. I'm reading the features mm. section. My favourite one is a huge baby, community basketball court, <laughs> and a cat with two buttholes. No extra charge. I just found the uh, community <laughs> basketball court. It's great. Um, yeah, it just seems like a little sort of toy box. Um, and maybe there's more to it and I haven't got there yet, but like, I'm super into the idea of just something to relax with, listen to weird music and some strange jokes. It says it's got a pretty robust credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. That sounds good. Yeah, it's really fun. I recommend if you've got an Epic Games Store. Um, obviously, as we all know, Epic Games Store is, is bad for video games business. But, you know, if you can get past your own morals, have a nice free game. <laughs> I mean, you can get a free game every week yeah, as well. Yeah, what is it at the moment? Handsome Collection. Uh, at the moment, or is it, it Civilization is, Six? Uh, no, it's Tiptoe. It's Borderlands, yeah. the Handsome Collection. Yeah. But it was Civ Six last week, and it was GTA Five the week before. So you can all play. Uh, I mean, basically, you can all play the pre-sequel, yeah. the best Borderlands game. I like the pre-sequel. It's, it's, it's good. Brilliant. It's very Australian. 
Uh, right. Dale, I think you've got a game for us. Yep, let's do it. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Okay, so I did a game a few weeks ago that was sent in by Jim White, and he referred to it as a video game version of Obama Lama. But we, during the game, decided that it was called Donkey Kong Schlong instead. Oh, oh dear. I don't, think I, li- I don't think I listened to that episode. I saw Donkey reasons. Kong Schlong and that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did uh, when we did it last week, he sent 20 answers in, or 20 questions, I should say, and uh, we only got through 10 of them, so we can do the, the latter 10. So, uh, Joe, for you, your yeah. benefit, you want to know how the game's played, Yes, right? please. Uh, so, I'll read, I'll read Jim's words. Basically, you are given a one-line clue where the beginning and end parts need to be solved to find the answer, which is always a rhyme. So the, the easiest way to sort of explain this is to give you his example. Yep. So the clue would be an English adventurous is in an attic. And the answer would be Lara Croft is in the loft. Lara Croft is in the loft. Okay. So always, it always rhymes. and But the clue, obviously, the ending and the beginning and the end are changed. Yep. To, Sweet. To, into to, it. To the rhyme. You got it? Okay. Uh, so let's get into it. Where did we get to last time? So yeah, the one we got to last time was misnamed ape wears revealing undies. <laughs> and it was Donkey Kong wears a thong. But it was Cardi thought it was going to be Donkey Kong <laughs> it's a schlong or whatever it was going to be. It's grotesque. Know. Absolutely grotesque. Right. Let's do this. The ghost of Sparta likes to clean between his teeth. Um, I don't know who the ghost of Sparta is. What? <laughs> the ghost of Sparta likes to clean between his teeth. I can do the... I know what the second bit is. <laughs> you seriously don't know who the Ghost of Sparta is? I can't think of it. Any game you can think of that's based around Sparta in general? I mean, there's loads. <laughs> All right, one very big one. <laughs> uh, oh, Alexandrios likes, likes to floss. It wasn't what Joe said. What did you say, Matt? Kratos. Yay. Kratos oh. likes to floss. <laughs> is he a ghost? <laughs> yeah. I thought There's a game called Ghost of Sparta. Is there? Yeah, oh, well. it's for the PSP, but still. Oh, fuck off. Um, yeah. I thought it was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, because they're Spartan, uh, and I think he's called Alexandrios. Yeah. Alexios, he is. Alexios, Alexios, yeah. Alexios likes well, to floss. Well, I've got it wrong equal- anyway. That would work as well. Uh, right. Give me one. a point. <laughs> <laughs> Serene human representative is a violent, ruthless thief. Serene what? Serene human representative is a violent, ruthless, ruthless thief. This is a bit of a tricky one. It sounds like this a is, Daily Mail headline. So, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a tricky one because the the character isn't a character. Hey, violent, ruthless it's, thief. Um, it's more like an NPC. Right. A general, or like a catchall term for an NPC in a certain game. It's a tough one. Violent, ruthless again. thief. Yeah. Serene human representative is a violent, ruthless thief. That bugger is a mugger. <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? Uh, n- no. 
Not okay. at all. No, I so think I mugger you... is the is the second word, I think. But yeah, when you tell it's me not. what... Is it not? No, it's pillager is the second word. Pillager? Yeah. That villager is a pillager. There you go. It's no, don't give me that point. <laughs> I don't want it. Serene uh, so... human representative. <laughs> it's villager. Jim White, in... good game, but fuck it out. Yeah. It's in the villagers from Animal Crossing, right? Uh, I must... assume that or Minecraft. That's what I it must. Thinking. It must be Animal Crossing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Serene right. human representative. <laughs> you see, when alien. they said, so when they said that, I thought it was going to be Commander Shepard because he's the human representative on the on the <laughs> yeah. Spectre Council, right? <laughs> yeah, that would make sense as well. Um, right, next one. Silent Hill antagonist is painting his garden storage unit. Pyramid head is Pyramid painting head his paints shed. A shed. Yeah, I think Joe got that. Yeah, he got that. <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah, there we go. We're back on track. Right. Demon destroying marine has a painful lump on his eyelid. Uh, Doom guy has a sty. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was thinking Doom Slayer. Wrong game. Yeah. Wrong entry. The hero of time wears an expensive, offensive coat. What? Uh, oh, Link wears a mink. <laughs> yeah, Link wears a mink. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Right, so it's two all. Celestial wolf goddess is eating a Japanese curry. Oh, <laughs> Amaratsu eats a katsu. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice <that. laughs> okay, there's four left. You just Eric. literally did the, you know, the the gif of Eric from Tim and Eric doing the blown mind <laughs> thing. You literally did it. Okay. Electrified mortal combat, combatant saves a kindly young lady. Uh, Raiden saves so. a maiden. Didn't need to do it again because Joe got it. <laughs> Raiden saves a maiden. I always thought it was Raiden. Yeah, I thought it was Raiden. Raiden yeah. saves a maiden. <laughs> <laughs> Right, 18. So we've got uh, three left. Tanuki Money Lender is a swindler. Tom Nook is a crook. Yeah, bloody yeah. hell, you guys are good at this. Oh. Except for the first two. I said, that, I said that in the tone of voice that implies I really want to win now. <laughs> yeah, so it's four free to Joe. Plus two. Ghost Hunting Bro visits Malaysian Island. Oh, Luigi goes to Fiji. There you go, nice. Ah. <laughs> so Joe's won it, yeah. but there's What's one the there's one left to, there's one left to play for. So Brazilian fighter is a tosser. Planker <laughs> is a wanker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh. That's it. That's the end of the game. Oh, after Serene Human Representative, that got really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, by all means, Jim, send in more if you got. Jim, one, I love yeah, it. They're good. I like playing that game. Ah. Oh. Luigi goes to Fiji was a was a highlight for me. <laughs> right, should we do some feedback? Yep. Are, are these all about ice pops? No, maybe. I don't know. You, lo- you love the ice pop chat. What do you call them? Yeah, tip tops. Tip tops. Tip tops are ice pops. That's one. So I found out tip tops is actually a brand. That's that's where New Zealand brand, is. isn't it? Yeah. Weirdly, oh. I don't think they ever sold them actually over here. I don't for as far because mm. I had a. A look into why we call them tip tops in the Midlands. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out. And and basically, I found the Wikipedia page to say that tip top is a brand of ice cream, but oh, apparently it, it doesn't say on the Wikipedia entry that they were ever shipped to the UK. There's a bunch of countries that they did, 
So God. maybe someone was importing them on the sly. It's a culture maybe, war. Maybe it was a New Zealander in the Midlands who started mm. it all. I'd Ooh. love that. <laughs> uh, right. This is from CJ in Nebraska. We've definitely heard from CJ in Nebraska before. Yes. Yeah. Fellas, regarding your question about what we call those crappy tubes of plastic filled with frozen drink, in the Midwest US, we call them freeze pops, or freezies usually. <laughs> freezies. Recently, they've started making flavours of Dr. Pepper, Coke, and other sodas. They even make alcoholic versions with margarita what? and daiquiri flavours. That reminds me of when they used to get um, cider lollies. I fucking yeah. love cider lollies because I thought I was grown up. <laughs> uh, he qualifies, they are not good. It helps if you let them melt a bit and smash them up before opening to avoid sucking all the juices out and being left with a piece of ice. I've, I've added a tone that I think CJ wanted to <laughs> add to that. Also, oh, uh, yeah, we also asked for uh, holiday disaster stories last week. Also, regarding vacation stories, my family took a trip to a drive through zoo. Oh, like a safari park. Yeah, I thought, yeah, like, you just walked zoo. up to windows and looked in. <laughs> That's uh, a really funny way of describing a safari park, a drive-through zoo. Where you stay in your car and drive through different animal enclosures. While driving through the ostrich enclosure, one of them started chasing our car, prompting my dad to freak out and speed up while rolling up all the windows. <laughs> that is terrifying. He did not realise at the time that my eight-year-old brother had his head out the back window and he had closed the window on his neck. <laughs> My siblings and I yelled at my father to roll the window down, but as we were all shouting at once and no one was older than ten, we were not very clear about what was happening. My father, thinking we were just being little shits yelling about the ostrich, yelled back at us to shut up. (laughs) Eventually, he realised what was happening and rolled the window down. We then drove through the rest of the zoo in silence. Hope you're all doing well, and thanks for all you do. Sorry this email is so long. No need to apologise. I enjoyed every minute of it. I particularly love... There's something lovely about the detail of silence at the end. Just like, not crying, not anger, just pure, deadly silence. The first first time I read through that, it terrified me, because my biggest fear is ostriches and large birds in general. They absolutely terrify me. Do you hate geese? Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not a fan, but mm. I can deal with ostriches and, and emus. I can't even look at them. I, like the idea, just looking at them freaks me out. Really? Yeah, I'm terrified of them. So I when I saw that, that, it was like a horror story to me reading that. Is it because they're dinosaurs <laughs> and you don't like dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah. they're like real life <laughs> chocobos. Do you know what? I think it was. I think when I was a kid, I got a, I got um, not attacked, but like chased by a swan or a geese or something. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of a large bird that's like the same height as me and they can make eye contact with me and just running at me full steam. Do you remember the film? I, the Dude, eye contact my... is such a good detail. It's the fact. It's the eye <laughs> remember... contact. There's a, do you remember the film Dude Where's My Car? I do remember the film Dude Where's My Car. There's a scene in that where they're sitting in the car and they get attacked by, I can't remember if it's emus <clears throat> or ostriches, but they get attacked by a horde of them and one of them bursts their head through <laughs> and knocks them out. That was a horror movie to me. That was hideous. <laughs> I can't, even thinking about it freaks me out That's right now. Brilliant. Dale, do you know about the Great Emu War? I don't think I want to know. Matt. Right, right. Okay, get this. This is hilarious. Like, So in Australia in the 1930s, there was a giant, um, effectively, wildlife nuisance thing done to cull uh, emus. Yeah. And But they sent the... It wasn't successful, so they sent the military in, I think, with a bunch of machine guns, <laughs> and they failed. The emus overran them. And the emus weren't. Yeah, they're powerful. <laughs> Deceptively powerful. They could take a bullet. There's no way an <laughs> emu wouldn't take a bullet. Imagine in full flight emu running at you, taking a bullet and Fucking... just shrugging it off. Why would you say that? <laughs> That's my nightmare tonight. Cheers for that. Peck your eyes out. Fucking hell. Oh, 
beasts. <laughs> Dale, right. give us a little yeah. read. This is from Aaron Smith. He says, Sup, fuckers. I don't approve of that. <laughs> Back in the grotty days of my early 20s, a friend introduced me to a soup a noodle. So it's not like super, it's the word soup a noodle. <laughs> Literally a block of ramen noodles cooked in a tin of tomato soup. This was something of a stoner delicacy in our house. Don't do drugs. As we all loved it. It was weirdly comforting and reminded us of our childhood. How can the that reason- remind you of childhood? You've definitely <laughs> never had that in your childhood. <laughs> the reason for which we realised after a year or two was because we were basically just eating a bigger, more tangy bowl of spaghetti hoops. Oh. Top shelf pucker, 10 out of 10. What are you at, 10? <laughs> 10, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, 10, out of 10. 10. <laughs> That sounds hideous. Uh, that reminds me of that um, bit in Garth Marenghi. Where he's like uh, talking about poaching an egg in soup. <laughs> it's like that's the height of his uh, height of his culinary. Yeah, culinary most deal. most uh, student based food combinations usually revolve around soupy noodles of some kind, don't they? Mine Ramen were noodles. very often Bernard Matthews related. I remember I a- <laughs> accidentally once ate an entire bag of mini chicken Kievs in one day. Um, accidentally. Well, I started and then didn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Matt. Uh, right, I've got one from uh, Kieran Corrigan. He says, Hi chaps, love the chat, especially the odd stuff between game talk. The following is based on my experiences at high school in the early 2000s. On the subject of frozen fruit tubes, we always used to call them ice pops, and we'd often buy them, five at a time, from the swimming baths next to my school. Decadent. I love I say it. <laughs> swimming bath food. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I was about I was about to laugh at that, but actually, when I think about it, genuinely, there was like a swimming baths and leisure centre next to my high school, and we'd go there and use the vending machine. Yeah, yeah. they've always got weirder stuff. Mm. <laughs> uh, toffee tops were. A, yeah. Sorry, those toffee tip tops. Things. <laughs> <laughs> tip tops were a brand of again so-called fruit juice in a squishy plastic container that came with a super thin pointy straw and cost like twenty p. Don't remember a straw involved oh, in any yeah. of my tip top stuff. Is that more like the jubbly ones? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, it. Yeah. They came in a slightly more. My memory of those sort of things were like, a, like almost like a cheese wedge shaped container. Yeah, and yeah. you put a uh, yeah. Uh, people in brackets boys would generally drink them without a straw, but by biting a hole in the bottom, <laughs> and putting them lit down on the floor and stamping on them because they pop really loudly. The girls loved that. Obviously, it's like the child equivalent of like popping a beer can at the bottom and just like downing it all in one. Uh, also, I meant to email this in a few weeks ago when you were talking about trash talking in battle get in battle royale games like Warzone. You reminded me of something stupid I said when some friends and I were playing PUBG, which was a confused mismatch of a couple of expressions: "death before glory" in capital letters. <laughs> Pretty sure that's going to be my epitaph. <laughs> Thanks for all the fun and chat over the years, especially over the last few shit weeks. P.S. A frozen frube would go down brilliantly right now. I keep thinking about frozen frubes. <laughs> I think I'm going to get them. Love those guys. Uh, uh, right. I think that's everything. Yep. That was a long old podcast, wasn't it? Um, but thank you for all your Snyder Cut chat. We probably won't discuss it too much more. I feel like we've covered all bases. Yeah, we've done um, it now. What I do want to hear is if you've had a really funny time drowning. So send that <laughs> into IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Obviously, we still aren't done with food combos. We're still not done with <laughs> bad holiday stories. Mm. Emu stories, I'd love to hear no. now. 
Uh, we'll make sure Dale's not on the podcast and just read <laughs> dozens of stories about how you were nearly killed by a big bird. Oh, um, anything you want, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Also, justgiving.com slash IGN UK. Sponsor me. I hate running. It's the worst. And we're going to do real good things for charity. Um, that's probably it. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go now. I probably might have a, a super noodle. <laughs> Any idea for a song? What have we spoke about? Oh yeah. Um, what about the what about the original Richard Donner Superman the, theme? What about something from Sludge Life, Joe? You said. Oh, I don't know if that's about. Well, it only came out yesterday. I don't know whether we'll easily get some music from Sludge Life. Mm, that's a good point. Okay. What you said. Before, original Superman, Superman theme. theme from the yeah. Richard Donner ones. Go. Cool. All right. Sweet dreams. Bye. Kiss. Kiss. Bye. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.